Welcome to Behind the Idea, where we break down investment stories from the Seeking Alpha ecosystem to find out what makes successful investment analysis work. I'm Daniel Schwartzman, and with me today is Mike Taylor. We are going to be discussing an article that finds investment opportunity at the intersection of three of America's favorite things, pizza, football, and politics. First, some background and a brief disclaimer. Seeking Alpha is a website where investors around the world share their investment ideas and analysis. A disclosure, neither Mike nor I have any positions in any companies that will be discussed in this podcast. Okay, today's topic. Akram's Razor, a longtime Seeking Alpha author, wrote an article titled Papa John's Time to Order a Takeout, a bullish piece about the embattled pizza company. Mike, what's going on here? Thanks, Daniel. Papa John's uh, had a rough fourth quarter of 2017. During the third quarter analyst conference call discussing earnings, Papa John himself, who's the CEO of the company, said that the NFL protests, uh, which were started by Colin Kaepernick, the kneeling during the national anthem was hurting Papa John's, his company, because Papa John's is so dependent on the NFL sponsorship for its branding and revenue that the disruptions of the national anthem before NFL games were hurting the business. And I believe they guided down sales expectations as a result of this. It didn't go well. Papa John uh, had, the company had to apologize for Papa John's comments because they had this political overtone. And Papa John himself wound up stepping down from the CEO role uh, late last year, I believe early December. And in the meantime, since the NFL season has started, Papa John's shares are down about 17%. So the stock's not doing well amid a giant bull market for stocks. And now there's been a management shakeup. And in comes our contributor, Seeking Alpha contributor, Arkham's Razor, with a full thesis on the company. And his basic idea is that Papa John's could be taken over by a private equity firm. It's cheap compared to its peers, and there's an opportunity here now that the CEO has stepped aside to potentially another firm take over the company at a premium. So he's invested in the company, and he likes this story. What stood out to you from this argument, what, or, or from the case in general? What, it, this is not, not an obscure story going on. So what's, what stands out to you? What's the most interesting thing going on here? I, I think you can't talk about this company, Papa John's, without talking about uh, the CEO, Papa John Schnatter, who is just, I mean, he's in all the commercials. He's made himself a figurehead of the company. He's key to the brand, and he's sort of a quirky, interesting guy. He's a self-made man. He had to sell his car to help his father keep his own business open when he was a young man. The corporate culture at Papa John's is very bootstraps. They promote internally. The current CEO who's replacing Papa John, Steve Ritchie, started as a customer service rep uh, making $6 an hour. But back to Papa John himself, when you make yourself this icon, his, he's in the logo, then you, who you are and the decisions you make and the political comments you make reflect on the business. 
And I think that's something that we we need to explore a little bit. We need to explore Papa John. So what do you think about Papa John, Daniel? I wonder whether he is called Papa John in the in the business or in his family, because that would be <laughs> really fantastic if he was. He's kind of like uh, David Roth, who writes about the NFL for Deadspin, talks a lot about uh, Papa John and paints a rather unflattering picture of him as this kind of aging frat boy who's trying to be cool. He's in all these commercials with Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And Roth's point is often that uh, Papa John is sort of trying to live vicariously through NFL players in his commercials and make himself kind of seem cool because he's endorsing his pizza alongside someone like Peyton Manning. So I think it's interesting that when he made these comments about the NFL protests, he clearly, at that point, as a businessman, feels very distant from the players, even though his persona in the commercials is really trying to get as proximate to them as possible. And without getting too deep into the politics of it, I did just want to note that Peyton Manning, when asked about the NFL protests, basically said that he believes people should stand personally, but respects people's rights to express themselves. So I thought it was interesting that even Peyton Manning is kind of, who's, you know, on Papa John's payroll, is distant from Papa John's political comments. Papa John does have sort of a an image in the business, I think. I, I, I'm aware of some of the same, that sort of aging frat boy look. But maybe more interesting is, is that the right image to be going for. I mean, does that help Papa John's business? Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I first, I didn't know what Papa John's was until I got to college and then it, it was a presence in college. You could order out, they, I, I think I've had the most hot and cold relationship with Papa John's of any of the pizza chains. It's a, <laughs> it's a volatile relationship. <laughs> the garlic sauce sometimes seems like it's sent from heaven sometimes. It just seems like stale pizza, but um, <laughs> but you know, arguably, if you're if you're selling pizza, and there's a play there, right? The play is the NFL. You've got a lot of people who love sports, love sort of. They're going to order little... during the games. I think that's part of it, right? Right. You just will like want a pizza and order. And so, and if that's what he's seeing in his business, and our our news coverage pointed out, I think. The fact that Buffalo Wild Wings, which is another sort of football-related yeah. business, Domino's, neither of them brought up the protest as a problem. But you wonder, oh, you wonder, does he have? Are there grounds here? You know, they did take their earnings guidance down. Their comparable stores guidance, from what I can remember, went from two to three percent to zero to one and a half percent in the U.S. That's not a. It's not it's a. Big. Yeah, it's a big number. They're still growing, and their earnings were still up this quarter, Q3 and so forth. But it's there's a lot of confirmation bias probably going there, where he pro, he, he may or may not appreciate the, the protests for what they are, but then his business isn't going the right direction. NFL's ratings are going down, which could be the anthem. It could be the game itself. It could be the fact that everybody's ratings are going down because there are more choices. But whatever the case is, you start to form fit, yeah. But that's well, do you think there's play. wait? Do you, do you think there's a alternative explanation? I didn't really look for one. 
is there anything you can think of that would explain? It's really hard without having the fourth quarter numbers out. So for listeners, the fourth quarter presentation for Papa John's where we actually find out how the business was affected in terms of the accounting is probably going to come out a week from when we're recording this podcast. So we're just sort of speculating based on Papa John's comments during the earnings call and the guidance they had. But we don't really know for sure what happened to the business yet. So what do you what do you think else could it be? Could it just be that their pizzas people don't like their pizza as much, or what else? Like what else would explain that? Well, I, I'll give when we were chatting about this earlier, you made a good point that Domino's is and Domino's is, has become this powerhouse. It used to be cardboard pizza, but they've really overhauled their brand, overhauled yeah. their business. And their gross margins, their operating margins are something like double Papa John's. And so it could just be that other businesses are doing a good job taking share. And also we're in year eight of the recovery and it's not clear. People are eating better. They're not go, They're not ordering cheap pizza anymore. They're going up to like, they're getting Fogo, Fogo to Chow. <laughs> Oh shoot! Do you yeah. have a position there, Daniel? No, no, I don't. I I have okay. owned Fogo in the past, but I don't. Fogo de Chão. Yeah, people are trading up. There's no so. That, yeah, it could. I guess the point is, and and we talked about this before the call or the podcast as well. That you know, it's not good CEOing to sort of drop this political bomb in the middle of a conference call and sort of voice this level of frustration and cast blame elsewhere. I think that in terms of just evaluating a manager, you have to question that decision, not because it's a political comment, but because it's not a good explanation. It doesn't, it doesn't show leadership and it doesn't tell investors what's really going on. So I think that that's not enough for me to justify the ouster of a CEO, but it's worth considering that this was kind of a bad move, I think, to do on an earnings call to make this kind of comment. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've explained it's too easy of an explanation that might satisfy. And yeah. as Akram points out, it backfired, which is part of the problem. It backfired when people with ulterior motives seized on the Papa John comments as the pizza of the alt-right. And they were, I think they yeah. were white supremacist Twitter accounts. Like, this is the sort of thing that you want to be careful you're walking into if you're walking into that you're walking into it you don't want to go right half-heartedly into that direction and so that could also be um, <laughs> you don't want to half-heartedly or accidentally associate yourself with the alt-right i think if you yeah if if you're gonna go there it should have been at least a well-considered decision <laughs> right and so so it seems so i think what we're saying is that it seems like he brought this negative attention on the business. The business itself isn't performing as well as it has or as it was expected to. And he's brought this negative attention on himself by making it a political issue rather than either taking responsibility or being more circumspect about what the causes could be. Which brings us to this article where Akram is saying actually all of that is a good, is a good thing because you there's an opportunity here. And so – 
even before we break it down, do you find, you know, what's the outline of the thesis and is it plausible? Is it plausible that there's a real opportunity? Yeah, so getting to the idea, I think what Ockram does well here is position this as kind of a fat pitch and he doesn't get bogged down in too much nitty-gritty detail. The basic angle here is there's been a lot of private equity interest in the restaurant fast food space. I think Buffalo Wild Wings was taken over and it followed a similar storyline. Sally Smith, who was the CEO of that company for a really long time, and Buffalo Wild Wings was like a 15-bagger under her, some, some ridiculous, amazing growth story. An activist firm came along and outlined all these issues with the company. She wound up stepping down sometime in along this story, and private equity took it over. And Akram does a good job of establishing that angle, and I think it's valid that there is private equity interest in the restaurant space right now. The second component of his thesis is that Papa John's is too cheap relative to its peers. He compares Papa John's and Domino's and says, okay, look, Domino's has twice the EV EBITDA, almost twice the price to earnings ratio. And so, you know, there's a gap here. And intuitively, it's like it's the same business, pizza business. So they should have roughly the same valuations in the market. That part, I have some nits to pick, but I get the basic idea. This is, so it's really simple. Private equity could take this company over at a premium, and it's cheap. And so being long is a good idea. Owning Papa John's pizza is a good idea. What do you look for? Private equity is sort of this mysterious force to investors sometimes. This, they're going to just come in and buy buy companies. That's what they do. They buy public companies, they take them private, and then mm -hmm. they sell them or they IPO them in the future, and that's how they get their returns. Yeah. There are many implausible cases that can be made for I, – I almost want to say that we published an article about Apple being a leveraged buyout at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, we, you know, you can, you can make these sorts of cases. Yeah. What what do you need to see? You mentioned that he brought up Buffalo Wild Wings and in general interest, but is there any other threshold that needs to be like reached for it to be plausible that yes, private equity could actually target this firm? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, because it seems like okay, any publicly traded company could theoretically be bought out by a private interest, right? But that's not really how the industry works, at least as as far as I understand it. So. Private equity buys companies. First of all, the company needs to be small enough that someone else could actually buy them. So that's an issue with Apple. For example, because Apple is in the hundreds of billions of dollars in valuation, a trillion maybe, it's huge. It's tough to buy a company of that size. So you have to look for companies that are at least you can somehow picture someone raising enough money to buy the company. I think that pizza chains, restaurants tend to fall into that category. I think McDonald's would be a tough private equity takeout, but these sort of middle of, middle of the pack, mid cap type of restaurant plays are, are definitely in this wheelhouse. Another thing that Akram points out that I think helps build his case better 
than just arbitrary picking of a company is that he mentions the leverage. And he says that Papa John's doesn't have as much leverage as it could. And that's a really key part of private equity transactions is you basically make the company borrow money to help finance the takeover of the company. And so companies that have too much debt, their, their debt will be too expensive to make it worthwhile to take the company over. But a company without a lot of debt can probably raise debt cheaply and therefore be a more workable private equity target. And then finally, private equity should have stable, generally looks for stable mature businesses. Because if you're gonna lever a company up by borrowing a bunch of money, then the income needs to be stable enough that the company doesn't get into trouble later on. So that's kind of how I look at it. And I do think that this Papa John's fits this. Oh, ideally, one of the sources of value in a private equity takeover is an inept management or an owner operator who may be paying him or herself more than the going wage for the company because they control the company, they can pay themselves however they want. So that's one thing that I think is kind of funny about this case is for a private equity deal, ideally you want to take the company over while the inept and overcompensated CEO is, is still the manager of the company. But that's it, they're too late for Papa John's. They already shook up management without the takeover. So I don't know how that affects private equities view of the situation, but usually it seems like part of the fun of a private equity takeover is getting to throw the CEO out. And so they won't be able to do that. Well, I guess they could just take Richie, company man, take him to the woodshed next, but um, there you go. That's the basic thing. So it should be it should be small enough, it should be under-levered enough, and ideally there's some opportunity in terms of the management not being very competent. Well, it's interesting because in theory, this could be the reverse. In theory, this could be John Schneider's opportunity for a triumphant return or so, you know, out of the spotlight of public, of a public. Well, wait, let's stop right there. I don't think he's going to jump behind the cameras. I think Akram mentions this and I didn't, I didn't check on it, but I think the plan is for him to continue to be the pitch man for Papa right. John's. And it's also worth noting that he remains the chairman of the company. So he is still effectively his replacement's boss. I'm sure it was tough for him to step down, or maybe it was planned and he's, you know, he's getting up there in age, but I don't know necessarily how much on a on a day-to-day -day level this affects the company itself, because Papa John still is there as the chairman, and so Steve Ritchie still reports to Papa John. And obviously the company is basically fashioned in his image. I wouldn't overstate the the change there. Right. I mean, that's what makes it, it's almost, you almost wonder, because it's not, it's not a PR coup, because he's still involved in their ads. I guess it's a coup for investors, but I guess that's why it's interesting. Is that well, the stock, the stock has continued to go down after he left, I think. So they didn't really, the market didn't care about the move, I would say. Right. Or no, it's up a little. Bumped up on, looks like it bumped up the day you left, and it's higher now, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say. For what it's worth, it looks like his salary 
is I just was pulling up the proxy. His salary, it looks like in 2016, was 900000 which is strikes me as not absurd for that, for what the market is. Yeah, I'd almost say that's low. Yeah. But his, I think I saw a pie chart that his salary is only 27% of his package, so he also gets... So he's a $4 million guy. A $4 million papa. <laughs> he's a happy papa. He's a happy papa. I asked that because I think, and because I was going to then pick out another thing that I love to pick, that I've increasingly gotten tired of in investment reports, but that I think Akram, I, I like Akram, it's been a while since he's written, and I, I like his work generally, so... But I think there's always the idea of, oh, somebody's going to buy them. That's always fun. Uh, right. Elephant gun shooter Warren Buffett is also a notorious, oh, yeah, he'll just buy the company type. Um, yeah. And then comparative valuation. And, you know, you talked about pizza, com pizza companies. They're pretty similar. You should be able to say, yes, Domino's and Papa John's. Like, there's some difference in how they operate, but their outlook should be similar. But I think it's where it, how many days has the market been up this year in the last three weeks? Like 80% of the days, it seems the market goes up. So it's yeah. we're, we're, we're in an expensive and excited market. And so to, to, it's, I don't think it's good enough to say, well, they're, they're expensive. So I should be expensive too. Yeah, that's fair. What I like is that he says, look, you could, I don't think it's plausible. He sort of makes the same point that Howard Marks made in a piece that he published this week. Howard Marks said this S&P going from 11 PE to 25 PE, fine. It's less likely that it will go to 50 PE in the same time span. So the easy money has sort of been made. Akram essentially makes that point about dominoes. It's, it's not likely that it's going to go, that the multiple is going to expand greatly. They're they're blowing Papa John's out of the water in terms of comparable store sales. Ordering Domino's online is really easy and convenient around the world. I can speak from experience. So is Papa John's, at least in the U.S., in yeah, D.C. I, okay. Um, but that's the point. Right. You, that's, there's not so much technical technological advantage. So I don't know. Do you do you does comparative valuation bother you? Well look, I think one of the most convincing books I ever read on investing was Joel Greenblatt's uh You Can Be a Stock Market Genius. For those that I think he's a billionaire. He's a one of the most successful investors of the of the twentieth century on into the twenty first century, I believe. Uh Joel Greenblatt. Yeah, and shout to uh, Howard Marks also, who, by the way, is a billionaire as well. So Greenblatt uses relative valuation. His basic thesis is if the market's pricing a business at a certain level, then you know that the market believes that about that business. That's an observable data point. And therefore, you should use that when it makes sense. You should use that to compare companies. And I'll go along with that so long as that I understand the business well enough that the comparison makes sense to me. That's not my only criterion. My other criterion, which is too picky for some people, is that it has to be cheap enough on a fundamental basis that I'm going to see some accumulation of wealth on a fundamental level 
within the company's business model over the long term. So that's an absolute valuation. So price of earnings of 10, for example, then you'd expect you'd get about 10% of your investment back every year. That's the kind of return that I want to see in the market. And that's an absolute valuation that I think is just as important as comparative valuation. I guess I'd say I'd, I'd weight those two things about equally based on what I think works in the stock market. But in this particular case, I am not sure how I feel about it. And my main reason for that is because the balance sheets of these companies are very confusing to me. They both have negative book value, which means that on an accounting basis, these companies have negative net worth. Now, obviously, they're successful businesses that earn profits, which means that a negative net worth probably doesn't really make sense from a real world perspective. But in order for me to really be confident about a relative valuation, I'd have to be able to understand companies' basic financial statements a lot better. And one thing I would ding Akram here for is that I don't come away from this article with any better understanding of how the pizza delivery business model works or why these balance sheets look the way they do. That's not to say that he's wrong. It's just to say that I wasn't sufficiently convinced by that part of the argument. That's fair. If anybody who is listening can explain how these companies have negative book value is something we were trying to... Put up the bat signal. <laughs> we were trying to understand the significance, and I think it's attributable to the fact that they franchise their businesses, but it's still... We we just didn't know what to make of that, how how significant that was. But it shows our lack of due diligence before we do these podcasts. But the the um, the last the last sort of interesting point to me about this thesis and a saying I like for business is the idea of when there's something bad, that's an opportunity because you can make it better. And that's mm -hmm. maybe that's that's the empty. Uh, essence of value investing is, or, or activist investing, depending on how you look at it, is that something bad will become good. But the NFL news, what, whether or not that's directly responsible or whether it's just brand association or whether it was a total red herring that Schnatter then seized on incorrectly, it's not good for Papa John's. And mm. the fact that the CEO had to leave is not good for Papa John's. And mm -hmm. the other point that Akram pointed out that the market he said initially reacted negatively to, I think it evened out shortly thereafter, but the CFO also left to go to Jack in the Box, mm. which I think has less – Jack in the Box seems less relevant to me than Papa John's on the national scale. Whoa, 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 buddy. <laughs> <laughs> could, be, could be a regional thing. I, I <laughs> No, I've actually never had Jack in the Box, and I've had Papa John's. So I guess if you're you're looking at me, then yeah, I'm consistent with your theory. So it's it, anyway, it's not like going to McDonald's. It's not an obvious, and so that would also seem to be a yellow flag. Right. Ak Akram argues that actually, when you think about this, this is all opening the door to the private equity move. And so I guess, do you think that this is just investors spinning a story, uh, Akram? finding the pieces and spinning a story because it makes sense or does it add up to you that this might be this bad news might foretell an investment opportunity looking at the stock chart looking at the news looking at the change in the earnings 
prospects of the company. Down 17% is down a lot, but it's also a stock. Stocks move up and down a lot. And the fundamental outlook we know from Papa John's guidance is not so good. So this doesn't strike me as a home run in terms of the market following a red herring here. It could be that the market is efficiently pricing in reduced earning expectations in the short term. And so the move might just be justified. I can't really tell based on that. And then in terms of all the qualitative issues, you know, the management leaving and all of that, I would say that I don't have a view on whether Papa John leaving the CEO role is good or bad for the company overall. I don't know that he's actually that effective as a brand spokesman. It seems to me that he, and this is just speculation on my part, or it's my opinion, that you know he, he likes being in front of the camera that's intrinsically motivating to him. I'm not sure that it's a business decision as much. Papa John's owes its success partly to making it about the pizza. Their slogan is better ingredients, better pizza. So all of this is to say, Papa John might have been hurting the brand or neutral to the brand in the later days of his tenure as CEO, negative to the brand. But I can't really tell. When I watch a Papa John's commercial, I don't go, that guy. I want pizza that that guy is giving me. I want to be like that guy. And that's not, that's not a knock on him. It's just that I don't, I, I think that maybe he's, more present within the Papa John's marketing infrastructure than is optimal. It might just be in their heads, is what you're telling me. This idea that we need, we need this guy. They On the other hand, though, he is the company, right? They have this hire from within. He has the self-made man story. You know, he's politically conservative, which you can think whatever you want with about. But I, he's patriotic. He loves the NFL. He's sort of an all-American person. So it cuts both ways, you know, and. You think of the founder of Southwest Airlines and how he just, he loved purple and he drank scotch and was this kind of gunslinger type of dude. And that has totally fit into Southwest's 70s vintage love, the flight attendants crack jokes on the, when they do the announcements. It matters who's at the top. And I just don't know what how it matters to Papa John's. I don't see it as much of an opportunity because I can't really tease it out one way or the other. What do you think? I think that Papa John's is recession resistant. I was looking at their 2009 numbers and they had a slight sales and comp sales drop off, but earnings actually went up. I didn't look at what happened there for mm. the food. Uh -huh. So anybody paranoid about a recession, that's safe harbor. Safer than Domino's? If you want to pay for 40 times earnings, like, don't let me. I don't. No thanks. Stop you. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I think it's, I enjoy the thesis and I enjoy reading Akram. His argument and his disclosure is he's only long. He's, I think he really believes that this is going to be a takeout thesis. So he talks about owning calls in the next two to four months and he talks about just it could be its own raw. Uh, long, but he says that Domino's hedge would be a big deal, and I, that I, I think that would be. I don't short stocks. 
and I've not executed a pair of trades. So it, this is talking as a as a critic, as it were. But I think that would be how I would have to. I would be able mm-hmm. to swallow this down. Would be to say, okay, Domino's, Domino's is crazy. I I don't know if investors. I don't know if how much the pizza industry moves in lockstep. Yeah. Do you need to short out your pizza risk? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Are the returns to pizza worth being exposed to the market? I think yes. I mean, not at these valuations, but Arkham talks about pizza being a, a great business that sort of has this embedded markup to it, which yeah. is really nice. So I like pizza as a product, and I like pizza as a business opportunity. I thought that this idea was excellent in terms of its entertainment value. There's so much going on, and I'm a little embarrassed that I missed this whole story until I read this article because, again, Papa John is a really compelling character to me, that he's uh, just this pitch man and made this company in his own image, and he's sort of weird, and he doesn't quite look comfortable on camera, but he wants to be there and wants to hang out with NFL players. But at the same time, he's conflicted about some of the political views that some of them have. I think it's just, it's a really gripping sort of quarter-long saga here. That's that's the entertainment piece. The investment piece for me is, look, the earnings yield, the, the expected return on this investment is outlook many other places. I think that these are great companies to own at fair valuations, and they're both overvalued from what I can tell from here. So that's where I'm at. I wouldn't, you know, if I want to own these companies, I just own an index of all companies and have them as a piece of the portfolio. I don't think they distinguish themselves as investments relative to a diversified portfolio. So Papa John's time to order a takeout. Our, our takeaways here are that it is full of entertainment value, full of easy, dumb jokes and puns to make that we hopefully left sitting in reasonable proportion. Worth thought-provoking as an idea, but probably not enough for us to take a bite out of it. Great. I've, well, I think we're done, Daniel. What do you think? I think, I think that's it, Mike. I think that's where we wrap up. So, uh, thank you to, for listening. Yeah, we hope, we hope you enjoyed this behind the idea. And uh, see you next time. Motion for silence, the nanny began, he said.